Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. People who love to eat are always the best people. (laughs) Here's another quote. The preparation of good food is merely another expression of art. One of the joys of civilized living. And that's by Dion Lucas. And did I say the other was Julia Child? I'm not sure I did. That was the first with Julia Child. You may wonder, dear listener, why we're talking about food when this is a photography podcast. I am so excited to talk to my next guest, Colby McLemore, because he is going to share all things food photography. And in the 220 plus episodes of The Profitable Photographer, I've only had one other food photographer. So I'm super, super excited. Who was that? I don't know. You you make me think. Christine, (laughs) Christine, somebody, and it goes back about three years. Uh, it'll, It'll download in my brain. Before I get started, I would absolutely love for you to give me any kind of feedback just to let me know you're out there, you're listening. I thrive on words of affirmation. And because this is pretty much a labor of love, if you could send me some love back, that would be great. And if you don't, I feel your love anyway. So, okay, let me tell you about the wonderful Colby. He's the owner and visual story storyteller, <laughs> visual storyteller of Colby's photos and video. He's in Tennessee. What city are you in again, Colby? Um, Eastern Tennessee, uh, near the Smoky Mountains in the uh, city called Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville. <laughs> yep. Okay. And he's full-time. His work revolves around advertising, photography, videography for companies and individuals. He's known for his caring, fun, and easygoing demeanor, which is why I wanted him on the show again. I think it's been maybe two years since I had Colby on my show. And he's very professional, customer-oriented, and detail-oriented, creative, clean, and fresh. And his zone of genius is follow-up, follow-through, and giving attitude. (laughs) So welcome, Colby. Thanks for being on my show again. It's a real pleasure. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I was just thinking about who else would I love to have on again so that we can continue our developing friendship. It's been so fun. I love Facebook because we have stayed in touch and and such since we got to know each other however long it was ago. So I was like, I'm missing Colby. I want to talk to him again. Well, I'm looking forward to Imaging USA. Then we might be able to hang out and um, take a, a do lunch or dinner. That's yeah. looking forward to that. Me too. I was last year and I just chickened out. Um, mm-hmm. Well, partly because of COVID having an upsurge, but also my mom had just passed and I was busy planning a memorial. And the last thing I needed was to get quarantined before all, all right. of that. So. Quick question. How long have you been in business and what got you started down the commercial realm? Okay. 
Um, so I've been photographing since high school. Um, my dad was a hobbyist photographer, but when I say hobbyist, um, a whole different level than most of the people I hang out with now. I mean, he was an amateur amateur. Um, he wasn't an enthusiast, which is what I typically call it. Um, I made my first uh, money on photography in my 20s. Um, I was doing a lot of architectural real estate type of stuff. Um, so I've been making money since my 20s and just sort of added there, added, added, added. Um, through time, um, I was a realtor as my primary uh, business at first. Uh, this is a second career for me. I've been doing this for about 17, 18 years, but um, I was a top salesman in uh, Sevier County doing uh, real estate. And uh, that market is a lot of secondary vacation homes. It's not primary homes. So it was much more business oriented. It was much more the bottom line. Uh, and it was working with more affluent people because it was a secondary um, property. Um, so I learned a lot of skills that, in my opinion, are so crucial are in, in our industry. And you mentioned that you're getting ready to have a sales um type of school. And in my opinion, that is where we are missing a lot of opportunities of learning sales. There's a lot of marketing stuff out there, but not sales. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference. Um, and I don't think a lot of people understand um, going for the close, going for no, follow up, follow through. All those are skills that I learned as I was um, uh, doing real estate. Mm -hmm. um, so I was trying to get out, trying to get out. So I started working more and more, doing more and more um, photography. So it was all commercial. I was working for um, other realtors and I started working for um, what is called rental cabins. And I started working for resorts. Then I started doing a lot of magazines. And then as um, the bubble of 2008, 2007 and two there was happening, um, I was doing more and more photography because I was wanting to get out until I was doing photography full time. Hmm. And I was doing part time uh, real estate, making um, crazy amounts of money part time because it was a bubble. All of a sudden, um, around 2008, I started shifting out. And then as I was shifting out of real estate, all of a sudden, the uh, the bottom fell out from underneath it in 2008. And I'd already been transitioning in that direction. Um, at that time, I started doing B2C business to consumer, which is more like the weddings, portraits. I was just trying to do anything because the whole market it was just horrible at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, after I got um, a little bit more um, time and the recession started receding, um, then it was just a matter of going back to what I knew. People who were business people, people who uh, I had developed a conversation with, uh, a way of relating that business people relate very differently than consumers. They have different pain points. They have different needs, um, different priorities. Um, and I feel like that it slipped right back in once I started uh, stop um, during the recession, trying to just make it money anywhere. And as I've okay. been developing my business. I have about 14 comments in, yeah. in all of that or questions. Yeah, for you. no worries. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And what I'm hearing is, first of all, you've been comfortable as a salesperson. That, that's something, uh, I don't know if you learned it, if you're natural. I know uh, in real estate, there's opportunities to get training on how to be a salesperson, but it's an area that you're comfortable with. And that I am you very comfortable. I've taken a lot of sales classes. Um, and I'll have to say there is no better training than a good sales training. Um, right. I think it makes all the difference in the world. 
Right. All the difference. Yeah. What I always um, want people to understand when they're like, how do I find those people that are going to spend a bunch of money? And to me, they're they're cultivated through a, a process where first we get in in front of the people that are likely to be able to afford us and want our services. But after that, it's all the sales process. I mean, not all. We have to do good photography. We have to be nice. We have to be clean, <laughs> have mm-hmm. the right equipment, you know, the, the photography part. But um, so how do you think selling to commercial customers in photography is different than the mm-hmm. one-on-one personal photography? Oh boy, I could go on uh, just like I did a second ago uh, on that. <laughs> um, so for business people, it's not something they want. It's something that they need. Um, wedding photographers, they want a photographer there. When they're doing family portraits, they want them. There's a need that is um, comes forward for their marketing. So it's something in their way. It's disruptive, and they're, they're needing a solution. Uh, they're also very oriented around deadlines. Um, oftentimes, it's a decision by committee. It's a matter of talking to one person, making sure that you are able to inform multiple people and some of them that you're not talking to. Very commonly, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to my contact person has said, please don't get me fired. Uh, they want to look good. They don't want, um, they don't really, they care about the photography at a level, but once it gets to that level, uh, all the other things are more important, uh, mm-hmm. that you don't show up in shorts, that you present yourself as a professional, that you um, are even keeled, even though the people that are there are sometimes not, which we may get into a story or two like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a radical different um, environment. They're more into the numbers, and once they decide the numbers, then they don't care about the numbers. Um, it's so that, a lot of selling on the front end instead of the back end. Right. Um, that's so, so let me ask you if this is accurate. A lot of times with commercial photography, depending on the specialty, we're not the art directors. Like when I do a family portrait, I'm designing the portrait. I'm posing people. I'm doing the lighting. I'm doing all the things. So in your world, are there people like in the commercial world, is there less of the art direction where there's often people that plan all of that and you are the photographer? It all depends on the the scale of what you're who you're working with. Um, so I'm not working with the biggest companies where I've got a giant art director. I, I do do some of that, um, but primarily my businesses are medium to large size companies, and I'm not working with a, an agency, a, a marketing agency. Um, in those scenarios, typically you're working with a marketing agency. The challenge that I have with marketing agencies is they want too much of my money. 
I would rather work directly <laughs> with the brand and the brand is willing to pay me a higher rate than a marketing agency. And a marketing agency has less loyalty to me. And if I work with a marketing director within a brand, um, I can build a loyalty that lasts a lot longer. So a lot of that direction, sometimes they bring that forward. And when they do, I love it. And it's great to do that collaboration. That's common in food photography. That's more of a collaborative environment. There are other ones where they want me to do it and I am great and effective at that the challenge that comes in those scenarios is that I need the owner's input because I don't know their customers pain points I don't know what the advantages of their products are and I need their help to do it and working in a business environment a lot of them have very short um, attention spans because they're just so busy mm. um, so the art direction Sometimes not as much as you would see on TV as, as my daily grind as I do in a in a week, I'll do one to three shoots, um, not uh, not considering studio work that would just be on location. Um, and probably once or twice a month do we have real direction. Mm, OK, uh, something new for me to understand. And I can see how when you do more of the creative part you'd be paid more. That just makes sense to me. You get paid more. And then also there's an element of CYA, uh, making mm. sure that they tell you what they want on the front end, or I'm doing a lot of tethered shooting. I'm always tethered, always saying, is that what you want? Is that what you want? So at the end of the day, it's not just on me. It's, it's on all of us. So they're virtually signing off on what you're doing as you're doing it. Um, that, that's typically if they don't cooperate on working with the shot list. I try to develop a shot list on the front end. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Again, I'm um, I'm not doing just one or two shoots a month. I'm I'm doing a lot of them. Mm -hmm. So I'm working a little bit more affordable, but still, I'm on an hourly rate that I'm never thought I'd make. What that's I awesome. Do. Awesome. So let's see, I had a little question. So do you do all those tricks like paint a raw turkey to make it look roasted and all the things where the food looks good, but it isn't edible? Can, can you tell me some of the photography so, parts of food photography um, just for fun? So, so hit, to hit that in particular, uh, a lot of that is not done. Uh, that used to be done, uh, but there's this uh, pesky little thing that gets in the way called fraud. If oh. you advertise something that is not what they're buying, that's a problem. As a matter of fact, right now, it's um, September 2023. Um, a lot of the, um, I think it's Burger King that's being sued right now, saying that there's too much meat in the um, hamburgers. Um, there was a big one. Um, uh, where people were using uh, glue instead of milk uh, or putting marbles underneath the soup to bring everything up. And people are beginning to get sued on that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so uh, do I do that? And and I'm not a lawyer. I, there probably is some people that are doing that. The typical um, clients that I have are going to be having three to 10 restaurants. Usually it's not a single restaurant. It may be a single concept within a group. Um, so I'm not working with massive chains or anything. 
again, um, a lot of that is uh, going to be doing be, being done in New York or Atlanta. Um, so I'm using more regional restaurants or food products. Um, and that is part of the conversation of, hey, the uh, owner always wants to put three times as many fries. Um, and you just educate them about that. And it is a group environment. It is a collaborative. And that's why I love food photography the most. It's the most collaborative environment. You're working with the chef who's um, who's a master, hopefully, of plating the food. There's a lot of conversation around that because they're used to plating food in a 360 directional viewpoint. They want the person on the other side of the um, table to enjoy it as much as the person eating it. But I don't care about that. I only care about the camera angle. So there's some education about that. Oftentimes, you're not wanting to overcook because overcook will dry quicker and you want it to uh, last longer. I do often work with a stylist. Um, I'm always working with a um, an assistant who has um, a lot of visual. Uh, one that I like in particular is a uh, graphic designer. So they have skill sets. Um, I'm oftentimes really focused on taking care of the client. Uh, that's always a distraction, um, or sometimes they're collaborative. I'm doing the photography, lighting, uh, setting up the shots. Usually the stylist is setting up the next um, dish before we move it in. I have had um, some fudge recently where I photographed um there's a series of, I think, six different fudge places here in Sevier County, and they had made the fudge incorrectly. They did not use the correct recipe that came before me. And it, I mean, we were doing 80 different fudges. I don't know how many. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was just all day, just to fudge, to fudge. And one of them didn't use the right dye in it. And then what I had to do is they didn't want to have another pristine one. So then I had to go take a picture of it. And then in that scenario, I did use Photoshop to try to match the colors. And I did educate the client and uh, what the differences are on that. Interesting. Um, so in my area, um, we're not doing much of that. Uh, so I... I have to tell you some weird thing I discovered. I was looking up, I think it was Ruth Chris Steakhouse, just, I don't know why. And they had all these great photographs, or it was a big, expensive chain like Ruth Chris. I can't remember. All these beautiful photographs. And then the last four were on camera flash. Uh -huh. It like... I'm assuming it was something local, maybe it was a special regional special, but even the big, big, big wigs are prone to cheap out. I mean, I, I, it's confusing to me. Do you have any, I mean, there's really nothing to think about other than like, that's just crazy, but thoughts on that? And it was not a professional. It was clear to me, somebody set it up and just took a picture, probably with their phone. A brand consistency, I'm surprised that big of a chain would have allowed something like that. Um, a lot of restaurants don't have the food on their menus. They just, uh, they're excluding that. This was website. 
So okay, Groce- uh, website will much more likely have it. Um, oftentimes, if you go to a grocery store, see the photos on the grocery store stuff. Oh, yeah. All that is just horrible work. Yeah. I mean, nine out of ten of them will be horrible. Um, but um, if somebody is trying to push their branding, and it's usually like you said at the on the website, on their Google, on their Yelps, anything where they're going to try to pull in a client, uh, that is where they're going to be doing their best work, or they should be doing as someone who's um, trying to sell it I'm pitching that's where they should be uh, doing it yeah I agree it was just quite a surprise okay Mm -hmm. so one of your talking points you suggested which I like is to let us know different types of food photography and my listeners like uh, me to be able to say one two three four five so Mm -hmm. uh, what do you got for us on that uh, so at least what I've been experienced in is the uh, first uh, photography I was doing around food was editorial is walk in, here's the um, restaurant, do a portrait of the of the uh, chef with a couple um, plates in front of them. And uh, as you mentioned there, uh, on camera flash, I wasn't quite that bad, but it's not high level photography. Uh, it was um, run and gun. I was getting those jobs by our local magazine. And then also some national magazines. So I would do um, work like that. The challenge in those environments is um, what we just talked about a second ago is color balance. Um, Color balance is very uh, crucial. And in that environment, you have a lot of mixed uh, color balance, and that's going to shade the food uh, in a poor way. In a more controlled environment, something a bit nicer. So I've done some uh, product photography for like cookies and um, fudge and candies and um, jars of jelly and all that kind of stuff. Um, at that point, they start uh, wanting a better quality, especially product photography, because if the colors shift, that's where customer dissatisfaction comes in. Yeah. Um, in those environments, you have to have full lights uh, with no bleeding of the environmental light. Um, so uh, cookbooks, uh, they're a blast. So um, we're doing one is editorial. <laughs> editorial will say one. Two is products. Uh, products. Three is cookbooks. Uh, uh, cookbooks, a whole different um, uh, animal. There. These are very stylized uh, sets. Um, usually the set takes as long to preconceive as doing the shoot. I mean, it's grabbing all the linens and the backgrounds. And you can buy backgrounds and uh, where you place it and a background that looks beautiful anywhere on eBay or Amazon um, you just talk about backgrounds. I've got a bunch of them in the studio. Um, that's great for like um, cookbooks, um, but not so much for restaurants because they want the photography often done in the restaurant. So are we still on cookbooks? It's still on cookbooks, just okay. sort of jerk that way a little bit. <laughs> okay. um, if you're wanting some other sets, what you can do is you can go to Lowe's or Home Depot and they have those giant tiles. And you can grab buy a couple of the tiles, and a lot of times they'll give it to you as um, examples. And you can all of a sudden now have a giant slate or reflective, or there's a lot of variety, um, very easily obtained at any of your hardware stores for nothing. Okay. Hold on. What mm-hmm. do you mean by tiles? You mean like a small tile and I take a picture no, of the tile? Big tile, big tiles. 
so you can get big tile this may be a foot foot and a half and then you just um, set them side by side some of them you can have as like a plate for like i've had it with um a meat on it or cheese or just so it's only by itself on a piece of slate or you could have the tiles next to each other and have a spread of it and some of it looks like wood some of it looks like um uh for mica some of it looks like i mean the variety of what they have and what's best and as a photographer you'll understand is most of them are matte they are not shiny and whenever okay. you have a matte it's a lot easier it is okay. such an easy trick um, in the cookbooks again there's also the element of grabbing the linens and then you have to know the different places so the challenge with those type of sets, and I want to throw that out there, is again, setting the, um, getting all that stuff takes more time than the photography. And they want us as photographers to do it. A real rookie mistake is not to charge for that. If you don't charge for that, um, I do an hourly rate. It's not that much. It just says, hey, and what it does, I say, what's your budget? And they give me a budget. Once anything we don't use, I return. And then we don't, uh, they get some of that money back. Matter of fact, the majority of the money back. Anything we use, they get to keep. And if I give them a budget, they can't say, why didn't you get more? If you don't charge them, they expect you to bring everything and have it exactly right. right. But once you put a limit on it or they put a limit on it, that is a big, if you're doing anything more stylized, make sure that either they do it or better yet that you're doing it for a price point. Otherwise, expectations go crazy. So to make sure that I'm clear on what you're talking about, it's basically with a cookbook you're setting a table. So linens, the surface that it's on, what it's going to be in the distance. Uh, so you bring in your Martha Stewart, uh, not, not the food part, but the decorator, the before food. How do we design this table? And then you photograph it for the cookbook. I was going to uh, photograph some cookies for a company's um, website, the banner. So they had it uh, wide and not very tall, and they wanted me to set, uh, do the shoot. And all of a sudden, he said, I've got all the props. And I said, okay, no worries mm -hmm. at all. And he shows up with a truckload of props. And this is a problem when uh, the client brings the props. He had a truckload of props for one shot um, of about four different types of cookies and uh, photography is a subtractive art form we don't add 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 because it reduces the quality we remove 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 mm -hmm. until only what is um uh, helpful is in there so when i saw that truckload just like <laughs> every other client i thought man he's going to want them all in there so i said Okay, we have two options. We have one option is we can do the photography while we're while you're there and you can see the shots as it's going. And I, I was doing this because I was wanting a competition and a portfolio shot because he had all the right props, but too many of them. And he uh, he said, uh, okay, what's the other option? The other option is, is I can fit it in between all my, all my other jobs and then I'll just do it whenever I can and I'll give you a slightly reduced rate. He said, that sounds great. Let's do that. I said, sounds great. Uh, take all these out. I'm not going to use most of them. I'm just going to use what I think's great. And then he said, what time are we going to do it? And I said, that's the point. 
We're not going to do it. I'm going to do it. So then I did this shoot. And quite frankly, my preacher's daughter and her son came over and I had him pushing the button. And it was uh, we had billed two hours to do that shot. I did three and a half and I didn't care a bit because I was having a blast and mm -hmm. I was working towards a portfolio shot. And when it came back to him, he was blown away. He was he was real happy with it. But I think a lot of clients don't know quality, high quality. They know okay to high quality somewhere in there. But then he started to get more excited about it as I was winning more and more competitions with it. I said, this is going to be a winner. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah, I had a blast with that. Yeah. Um, okay. So editorial product cookbooks. Mm -hmm. What other and kinds of... Uh, food what else I've done is um, restaurants uh, or caterers. So that's usually set up in their environment. Um, now you're talking about a whole different dynamic because they're going to want to use a lot of their um, utensils, uh, their plates, their locations, and that becomes a lot more dynamic. What do you mean by dynamic? Um, you have less control of their environment than I do in my studio. Okay. I can bring a whole bunch of light, uh, but it takes longer to set up. And I'm a bit of an energizer bunny, run, 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 <laughs> run, um, because they want a lot of shots for the investment they're paying. Uh, they typically just don't want one or two hero shots. They're right. wanting uh, a variety of shots. As a matter of fact, when I'm the last shoot that I just did, um, we had a camera shooting straight down another one, um, from eye level to where we could, every time we put a new plate in there, we were getting multiple shots, um, because they had five different restaurant concepts. We were bringing all the food to one location, all for their, uh, menus. Uh, so it's, um, go, 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 go. And that was me and assistant, another assistant and the stylist, um, and they got a great value, primarily because they listened to my advice. They said, hey, that's the challenge that a lot of people are just too busy to um, prep you mm -hmm. properly. So what other are there other types of food photography? I am sure there's a lot. That's the way that I dice it because that's my experience and that's where I've made my money from. Okay. Um, I do very little editorial at this point. I do a cookbook uh, every now and again, and those are real Fine products and restaurants are primarily what I'm doing at this point. Editorial is what I got into first. is more accessible. Are there sometimes models, you know, where they're eating the food or they're chatting around a charcuterie board or things like that? Uh, definitely. As a matter of fact, I'm usually upselling in those uh, suggestions. I'm saying, hey, let's put the people in because if the people are in there, then they can envision themselves eating the food more effectively than just a plate sitting there. Mm -hmm. um, a more recent um, trend, which is, you know, not as recent as it used to be, is a straight down shot where you're seeing um, people interacting with the table. Um, there'll be a table of maybe six, seven people and you've got a spread and then you see them in there. Uh, the challenge with that is to get everybody at the right place. And then there's some Photoshopping because people will not all be in the right place. Um, uh, another one was a uh, pub recently that um, we had some people in there. And that was a fun one because the model who uh, we had hired to bring in there, um, she was a dud or that they had hired to bring in there. Her boyfriend was a hero. 
And um, I started leaning into the hero and, you know, not as in all the shots because you can't have one person in all of them, mm -hmm. but he ended up being the main character and more of the shots than he did. And I think they broke up that night afterwards. <laughs> Or at least she started digging into him afterwards. It was really funny um, as as a bystander, as a right, bystander. Right. That's funny. Yeah. So um, thank you. So we've got those one, two, three, four. Um, mm -hmm. So how do you get access to restaurants and cookie bakers and caterers? And like, mm -hmm. how do you get into the world of food photography? Uh, so editorial was, again, my uh, step into it. Um, I was starting to build a uh, reputation um, around a resort area. Um, so that uh, had some value. Um, that's something that's not repeatable for the average person. Another one was is um, my girlfriend is a magazine editor, and that opened up some doors that most people are not going to have that opportunity as well. Um, but there are local magazines that you can usually shoot for. If you do local magazines, I'll have to say it's great for exposure. Mm -hmm. um, which um, makes me want to puke a lot of times. So, man, um, I know a lot of people at my exposure, air quote exposure, right. Right. and and a lot of people at our level, I think, are overly um, dismissive of that. I think mm -hmm. there's something to be said about paying your dues, learning how to work with people, learning how to. Uh, the shooting is not the hard part. It's uh, dealing with setting it up, setting up expectations, and just out of the gate getting paid a big dollar you're not going to do that or right. if you do you won't again um so those type of magazines i i've heard one or two people say they get a lot of benefit from it most of them i haven't so i have a little interjection here about yeah. my early years so when i was first building my business um i don't know how i got this connection but there was a magazine called the holistic living news and it was a monthly oh. magazine and um, I got referred and they would send me on assignments um, like to macrobiotic restaurants. So I photographed people eating mushrooms and sprouts or <laughs> whatever it was, uh, the Jimbo's that, that made wheatgrass. And I photographed a person grinding wheatgrass and had all of these assignments, did not get paid very much. But the experience of, and I didn't bring lights, you know, just used what was there. First of all, I wouldn't have known what to do early on. And then somehow I think that led to getting hired to do a an annual report for a bank. It happened to be my bank. And I went with the bank people to all of these, um, you know, like, backhoe companies and all of these different businesses, not realizing I was going to be someone that might have been in an annual report at some point, maybe. And I got experience in those ways. And so I was paying my dues. And I was actually surprised myself at how good these things came out. Now, I was the editor of my yearbook in high school. So I had visual, what are they called? The little pathways in your brains that that um, neurons, yeah, where you learn stuff and and then you've got that knowledge in there. But um, yeah, and I also realized I didn't want to do commercial photography. 
I did a trade for my gym and we would rent a studio and and I would get to see my photographs in the the reader every week and so I dabbled just enough to a get the experience get a little money get some exposure and I can see from what you just said had I decided to go that route that was some foundation that then I could build on and had portfolio built rather than starting out super cheap and then staying super cheap and giving it all away. So I I think that if you're shooting for exposure at sooner or later, they're going to start using and abusing you. And once you start learning, once you stop um, getting any value out of it, you can say, no, it's not their fault. You decided to say yes. So once it stops being a value, you just say no. You also mentioned another one that a lot of people get into food photography is they'll go into a small little restaurant that is a, a single restaurant. Usually single restaurants don't have budgets. Usually they have to have a few restaurants. And you and that trade aspect is a way some people get into food photography they say hey i've been coming here a few times i see your photography how about doing some trade um trade has um certain challenges around that mainly setting uh, clear expectations of mm-hmm. what everybody's going to receive um and having that conversation on the front end not the back end um but that is another way people can get into it mm-hmm. the way that i typically get into it is they see my portfolio uh, my uh, website is very seo uh, out um, i do google ads and uh those as they come in with uh, advertising photography, I get swept into that. A lot of them, and now I'm going to be talking about something separate from what I mentioned a second ago, is um, ad agencies. If you can okay. get in with a couple ad agencies, and I am in with a few agencies, um, but typically the ad agencies that work for me just say, hey, here's the photographer, you just go work with him. Usually those are going to be small to medium-sized agencies. Bigger agencies are going to have in, in-house in photographers, so you're not going to get into those. So if you can get into a small or medium-sized agency, again, you're not going to get paid as much, but hopefully they'll give you um, more repetitive business. And I've um, been blessed at that earlier in my career. And I still get jobs like that, but definitely not as high a percentage. Now it's more repeat customers, uh, brands, and agencies would be definitely lower end, lower side. So question, do you think, because I love how uh, many people think that's not going to work in my area because my town is big or my town is small or my town is medium. Do you Mm -hmm. think you have advantages in a Knoxville is what is it, two, 300,000 people or so? Um, I think it's more than that. Um, I'm guessing about two to three times that. Um, in the metro area, somewhere around 750 or so. Okay. It's a medium. It's not as big as San Diego, but it's a no. pretty, it, it's not decent size. like a small town where you're going to get known and you're the go-to. So right. uh-huh. do you think there's challenges that are different in different sizes of towns to get access um so let me hit something you said um you can be the known photographer you can be the guy in town 
um, in my area, uh, me and uh, probably one one other guy, we are head to head. We're the people that a certain stratosphere of people typically go to. Are there a lot of other people? Yeah. Um, but probably out, I don't know what percentage we're getting the majority of the percentage. And if you can get your competitor to start referring you when they can't do it and you refer them, I get jobs from them too. So he's every time there's a, a, a bid, I swing hard and try to handicap them and kick them in the knee. Not really, <laughs> um, but I try to win. But as soon as I can't uh, do the shoot, I'd rather them work with him than somebody that's not going to go, do a good job. And we've built a great relationship of cross-referring. That's another great. way of getting some. And But going back to the size of your business uh, or your city, I think that is a definite uh, factor in there. We're a, a college town, so that brings in a lot of food. Um, a lot of people in Knoxville pride themselves in uh, us having a lot of restaurants per capita. I don't know if that's still true. We have a lot of wonderful restaurants. Um, again, all the chains, all the bigger ones, you're just not going to get in there. Mm -hmm. uh, the smaller ones, the medium-sized ones are where I've found where I can leverage in there. So I'm thinking an advantage of a smaller town is you can mm -hmm. be the only game in town. Mm -hmm. The advantage of a big town, big city, like I have, is there's a zillion businesses that need food photography. And that medium town, you know, like that we can work with what we have or a small town near a big city, kind of best of both worlds. So so I'm I'm just encouraging people not to think I'm not in the right location to make this work, because it tell me if you agree with me that there's advantages in each scenario. They're just different advantages. I definitely would agree to with that. Something to extend that idea is um, learning your clientele's pain points. And I've been listening, you know, uh, to podcasts like yours constantly that are always talking about, yes, we're selling photography, but that's not the particular pain point, and especially within my industry. Um, I, on the phone, was talking to somebody about a different vertical, um, but at the end, they said that they had interviewed three other people. I just knew what they were worried about, and I was mm. able to address those problems. And at the end of that call, they said, you're obviously the one. You hit all the boxes. We're moving forward. And they'd seen my website work, but I mean – it's about closing. It's about sales and sales is about knowing what your customers value. It's not about your products. It's not about you. It's not about the photography. What problems are you solving and how can I um, be the one that can help them on that? I just, uh, especially if you're working with businesses, if you're working with businesses and you're saying you're the best photographer in town, they don't care. They just don't care. If you can say, I'll hit your deadline, they care. I'll make you look good. They'll care. At the end of the shoot, everybody's going to say, uh, Lucy, you hired a good photographer. That's going to get you hired. That's what's going to get you hired. Yeah. And the pain points are different than like a mom who's worried about, uh, I don't know, forgetting how cute her baby was when he's now a teenager or, uh, you know, the stress of 
life or, you know, lots of different things, but we all have pain points. We all have things mm-hmm. that keep us up at night. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I have a question comes up now and then in some Facebook groups uh, in the commercial world. Do um, clients often want the raw rather than JPEGs that you've played with? And um, okay. Okay. Th- I am, for my clients, a business person. I am an artist for myself. When I'm photographing my work for me, I do anything I want, and I'm, I have that ability. Uh, when it comes to my clients, I am an artistic whore. I am willing to spend. <laughs> if you're willing to pay for it, you got it. Um, I just had a, a portrait session. took me... Um, 20 minutes to do the portrait session. They wanted the raw image, no problem at all. Uh, they have to pay more for that. Um, and it really blows them away because the, um, I've got a super megapixel dense camera. And when they get those files, they don't understand what they're getting, but I'll sell it right to them. Um, uh, but I do sell usage, and if they're buying um, raw images that are buying full uh, buyout, they're buying the images. Okay. So at that point, I don't own them. I can't uh, advertise them. And as a matter of fact, I remove them from my computer because I don't want to accidentally. So it's not standard that everybody in food photography wants the raw. No. Well, but there are some people that want that so that they can edit the way that they want without any loss of uh, like, let's say you were going to do a national billboard campaign. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would want the raw if I was the ad agency on that, that was going to take care of that. So I'm stepping over your answer to my question. So I'll stop. No, no. (laughs) Um, I have found that the people that want raw are people who have very specific branding standards and they want to maintain um, exact um, consistency throughout. So they have an editor in-house. They're typically a real big company, maybe international. And what I was sending out in that portrait I mentioned, they have a certain um, editing that they do. Got it. Um, on the on the other side of that sometimes they have branding standards that they send me and i have to follow these branding standards exactly and if i follow the branding standards then they have consistency people who want to buy raw are going to be typically uh that's their motivation if they're a big or international company they will want a buyout as well they want to own it just because they don't want to fool with me. They don't want to accidentally do something wrong. They want to own the images because they don't want to ever hear from a lawyer. And if they buy all the images, they don't have to worry about it. Um, and in those scenarios, I don't mind them to buy them. Um, and very commonly, I find that if they buy it, they still don't mind if you use it in their marketing. The primary thing is, is they don't want you to say, hey, you can't use it for something. They right. just don't. That's the big companies. They spend more money for less hassles so they don't have to deal with their lawyers. Sure. So normally, then, would you deliver JPEGs or TIFFs? What's what's the average that you deliver? Unless there's a request for a TIFF, um, 99% of my clients are going to get a JPEG. Uh, if they have branding standards that have specific um, file types, uh, that's a lie. Um 
uh, PNGs. I do deliver a lot of PNGs because it's uh, ridiculous how poorly um, the average graphic designer extracts portraits um, or anything. Mm-hmm. Foods, food's easy to extract, but um, those extractions are horrible. So PNGs, primarily JPEGs, PNGs, raw, rarely a tip. So I just remembered why I did not continue into commercial photography or add that when a portrait photographer gets asked, can I have the raw? I think some of the resistance is that the res- the raw looks like hell and we have to go in there and correct it because the precision of, of a commercial shoot, I assume your raws are pretty darn good out the gate. You don't have to save yourself. So, and that may not be true for other photographers, but for me, when I was doing portraits, because I was in the shade and out and this and that, and that I was not perfect at my lighting and exposures, but everything was beautifully printable. So am I making any sense that that same, like a good commercial photographer, you could almost take the raw and and use it, you know, it may not be color balanced the way you want it, but you're, you're being very precise. So the color balance will be right unless it's a, um, a mixed uh, color balance area. And and the, the tool that fixes all that, which is so passe and everybody's like, Oh, why would you ever use it? Is a light meter. I use a light meter for everything and that is something that um, is looked down on so much so that if you want to buy a light meter um, they're so cheap because everybody buys one and never uses them which yeah. i love yeah um, so i've got three light meters uh two of them were given to me all of them the same um so uh yes you do have to be um technically proficient anybody who's interested in that ppa has the cpp thing that will run you a long way along that to become a technical photographer i, I think it. that is a undervalued um, program that gives so much yeah everyone knows i'm a big ppa fan mm-hmm. uh, i also um I know myself and I just knew that I could not always like the technical is not my favorite part of photographing. Mm -hmm. I like it as simple as possible. That's why I love using natural light when I can, when I can Mm -hmm. use it well, you know, I don't just go out in the field on an overcast day and, and think that's natural light photography, but, but um, yeah. So I would not have been great. I probably could have done good editorial. Um, but yeah, I wasn't I wasn't drawn to that. And also you don't get a lot of tears and laughter when you're showing your work, right? No. So um another big help is having an assistant that knows what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so the majority of the time I'm talking client, talking client, and then all of a sudden I turn around and she's got the light set up. Are they exactly right? No, they're 60 to 70% of the right way, um, which is everything. Then I just have to tweak it because um, she may not be seeing the angle that I'm seeing or things may be more dynamic. um, But having uh, the help of somebody proficient uh, allows you to nail it every time. 
Right. And, and not every time, you know, I, I fail all the time as well, but um, enough to where the client's happy at the end of the day. Yeah. And if we miss the shot, and actually we're never miss a shot, we're developing a shot. They don't get to mm -hmm. see the proofs until we've got the light, we've got the uh, everything set up, then we start showing the images to choose. And, and that advance of technology, the ability for you to slave your camera straight to a tablet is so much easier than it ever has been before. I remember when you had to step on, jump up on one foot, tap the top of your head and rub your <laughs> belly to get it to working. Um, now it's pretty solid. I mean, rarely am I having problems tethering to my tablet. And then as they're selecting the images, uh, those stars are going right into the card. So once I um, finally download them to my computer, I know the selects. Uh, the, the hardware and software has just been nice. <laughs> nice, yes. And I can also see how getting your money up front, like when I do a portrait, it's speculative. My clients don't walk in here and say, hey, I want to give you $10,000. They, you know, they're cultivated. This sales process that I'm talking about that that my online course teaches is cultivating. And you're in the commercial world, when you pack that camera, kind of like weddings, you already know basically the money that you're making, right? So, so that's kind of sweet. Somewhat. So I had um, a great coach suggest um, giving them the upgrade. So you buy usage with me and I've got a simplified usage from most um, commercial photographers. Most photo uh, most clients say, oh, I just need this little bit of usage. And I'm like, OK, this will be about the price. And then all of a sudden he said at the end of the uh, process, give them the different prices for the additional values. So all of a sudden they say, I only want uh, website usage images. And then I sh send them an invoice that gives them selections to use it for oh. prints or larger. And then I'll have to say, since then, I think only maybe a handful, it's 90% of them always pick more. Uh, so they're, even though you're getting a minimum amount that you know on the front end, there's still a lot of up, up uh, opportunities, which is really what has expanded my business is focusing right. on how to work on those upsells. I'm the same with um, doing weddings is it's a chunk of change that they paid me up front and I have things built in so that they're not getting the moon. Like there's opportunities, usually 25 to 50% of what they've already invested. They'll easily invest in more pictures of the albums, parent books, other kinds of things, gifts for their wedding party um, but it's different than portraits where it starts out with a modest investment and then I build a desire and end up with the three to seven wall portrait sales often. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. oh gosh, now we're like really close to out of time. So mm -hmm. two questions. What is the best way to get in touch with you if they have um, questions? If you Google Colby McLemore, uh, you'll find me everywhere. 
my website, www.colbysphotosvideos.com. Um, I am very um, active in the trade organizations and help uh, people as much as I can. Feel free to call anytime, as long as you're not pestering me and taking hours of my time. I don't mind to talk to anybody. Great. And if you show up in, where are we going for PPA convention? Uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. Uh-huh. If you show up in Louisville, you'll get to meet him and me. Yay. <laughs> and if you see me, wave me down. And um, I would love to have a beer, coffee. Uh, just, um, I am not a stranger unless you choose that I'm a stranger. That's that's why I was so happy to meet you years ago and feel <laughs> like we've, even though we've never seen each other in person, we've become friends and mm-hmm. to be continued to be continued are you working on do you have masters craftsman we didn't mention those things so i'm a master craftsman cpp um i do lots of presentations i'm not far from getting my 100 uh, merit uh, educational bar wow um i just uh i've not received it yet but uh, have you heard of the director's uh, award? So mm-hmm. it's one of the, I think, 12 initial awards given at Imaging USA. Um, it's the biggest award I've ever gotten. I've gotten quite a few. This one is for someone's um, dedication to the industry. So I'm on, I'm mm-hmm. the president of East Tennessee. I'm on the state board. I'm a counselor. So I give back as much as I can. And um, uh, boy, once I get that, you're going to see press releases and posts and blogs and um but people are sort of tired of hearing that at this point <laughs> well not my <laughs> listeners and not your potential clients who uh-huh. you know there's so much when we give and we get involved uh there's so much we get back it, it so much creates a kind of a foundation we can't even explain when we're involved we give service we enter our work we we join communities, we support our local groups, all of that supports our business health. I'm sure you would agree with that. Uh, to me, it's uh, forming a selective um, family as opposed to just a birth family. Ooh. Um, I have a family Ooh. of photographers. I've got um, Katie's daughters going to um, Sedona uh, on a vacation and Bob Coates is a good friend of mine, photographer mm-hmm. over there. He's been on the show. He's a great guy. He's yes. a big giver. Uh, we've roomed a few times, and um, he's going to. He's setting up a big list of all the things to do. I mean, it is. Photographers are such weirdos, but such wonderful people too. Mm-hmm. That's why I love doing this show, is I get to meet all the weird, weird and wonderful people, yeah. and have a great conversation like this one. So, uh, last question: Do you have? I'd like either parting thoughts. Uh Or if there's something that you wanted us to know that you would be like, oh, I wish I'd have told them that. So the floor is yours. Uh, One other thing I'd like to point out with food photography is just more technical because I'm pretty technical is um, one is white balance, making sure that you get that right. So if you use um, a gray card, that's going to make your images so much better uh, having consistent lights as opposed to mixed lights. And if you do like a X-Rite passport, then it'll be exactly right as an alighting setup. Typically, texture is what's very valuable. 
If you're not familiar with texture, texture is brought out by either side lighting or backlighting. And whenever you're using food photography, if the plate's right here, typically your key light is going to be from the back side or from the back side, typically from the right side. And then in the front is just a fill. Your primary light's going to be back um, backlit from the sides. Mm. If you know what I'm talking about right there, those two things will elevate your food photography radically more than an on-camera flash. I love it. Or even just a side camera flash. Anything. <laughs> That's That two light setup is just so basic and so beautiful and easy. So I want to invite my listeners to stay tuned for my quick wrap up and Colby. As expected, this was just a delightful way to start my week. And thank you so, so much for being on the show. Thank you. Well, it's just us now. Um, isn't he just the nicest guy ever in the history of people? And at the same time, very technical, very detailed. I appreciated all of those things that he shared. So I loved that we talked about where he came from and he learned to sell from real estate photography. Uh, we talked about the difference between commercial photography and personal, and that it's more of a need for businesses. It has a deadline. We have to be super on our game and professional. Types of food photography, editorial products like cookies and other yummy things, cookbooks, and then restaurants and caterers. Uh, he shared how he got access and he started with editorial and then got in with some local magazines and developed relationships with ad agencies. He does Google ads. He, he reaches out to small restaurants. His biggest takeaway was learning your clients' pain points. And that is in everything we do, that is the key. Is figuring out our clients' pain points and how we particularly handle them. Um, we talked about delivering raw, and he ordinarily delivers JPEGs or PNGs to people raw. He charges a lot more. Um, and then his last thoughts were the importance of starting out with proper right balance. Did I say that right? White balance. <laughs> um, at the start, rather than correcting them later, he uses a meter, which is so powerful. And in photography, texture is important and using light, not just one light, but using lighting to create depth and shape. So that's it for now, my darlings. Thank you for listening and for sharing this with your friends. Bye for now. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one -on -one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.